Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. I am in chilly San Antonio. I, I don't know what it is, but wherever I go that's supposed to be warm, I seem to bring cold weather with me. Happened a couple of weeks ago in Tampa. Now I'm in San Antonio. The day before I get here, it's like 80. I get here, and last night it's in the 30s, and there's a wind. It's a, like a wind chill. You don't think about that. Some sleet in the air. I thought, wait, I could stay at home for this kind of weather. But it's it's sunny and going to be better today and tomorrow. We're here for a couple of days for the big cattle industry convention. We have a lot of folks to talk with over the next couple of days about issues uh, for the cattle industry, some of the accomplishments of this past year, and what's ahead, still the challenges and priorities for the coming year. Also joining us on the program today will be Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. He may have a few things to talk about from his home state of Iowa, what's happened there uh, in uh, the last few days with that caucus situation, and of course what's been going on in Washington, D.C. with the impeachment situation. And now that that's behind us, find out from the senator what he hopes will get done in the Senate here in this year. So all that coming up on today's program. Joining me now is Dan McCarty, is Director of Industry and Affiliate Outreach for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Dan, thanks for joining us. I think it looks like you're going to be, what, up around 9,000 in attendance here for this convention? Yeah, Mike, great to be here. We've got uh, a great crowd down here right now. Uh, today's going to be a big day as uh, a lot of the uh, local Texas folks show up. I think we will we'll definitely get over that 9,000 mark, and, uh, you know, it's just a uh, it's a great that everybody can come down here and, and uh, just a wonderful convention we've got kicked off so far. Pretty good location for you here because you can, as you said, get a lot of folks driving in today. San Antonio is always one of our popular, you know, we float around to a few mm-hmm. different cities and, and uh, San Antonio is a good one because we do have quite a few people from Texas that show up. But uh, folks throughout the country enjoy San Antonio. It's nice to come down here. Like you said, usually the weather's pretty nice. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, come down, enjoy the river walk, and, and get a little taste of Texas while you're down mm-hmm. here. So we always have a good turnout here in San Antonio. Well, among those here yesterday was Secretary of Agriculture, uh, Sonny Perdue, and he talked about a number of issues. Of course, the trade issues, uh, he was updating those. We also had a chance to uh, talk with him about possibility of market facilitation program payments uh, another round this year. He says too premature yet to talk about that way too early because we just don't know how this China situation is going to play out with the coronavirus, and we'll we'll see how that does play out this year. Um, but he, he was here in attendance and talked with producers. Uh, there are plenty of issues. I mean, when we look at what how 2019 concluded, some big accomplishments with trade, but there are some big issues still ahead. I know one of the big issues that this industry has been working on for some time, I want to get an update from you, uh, that's the ELD situation, um, the the hauling of livestock and the hours, and uh, this has been an ongoing issue for some time. Bring us up to date on this. It has been, and it's something that affects uh, producers across the country, not only cattle producers, but ag producers just in general. Uh, you know, we've been working on uh, that interim rule or that rule that came out of the Obama administration. Uh, with there's two actually separate issues. You've got the electronic logging device mandate, which is supposed to go in trucks, and then for those of us in the cattle industry, we have the hours of service rule. And you know, we're not we're not hauling frozen ice cream on a truck to where you can just pull over on the side of the road and and uh, a driver can rest. We've got live animals on there, so we have some uh, you know animal care concerns, uh, animal husbandry concerns. And so we need to we need to get a, a solution to the problem that's going to help folks. You know, when we have producers in Florida that are hauling cattle to, to feedlots in uh, Kansas or the Midwest, uh, you know, they're they really it's a hard time doing that with the current hours of service. But on the ELD mandate in particular, uh, the uh, current omnibus funding bill for the government that runs through September 30th, uh, we've worked with some other uh, ag groups to secure a, uh, a ag exemption on that rule. Uh, I expect that uh, the government's probably not going to take up another funding bill before the the election. So I assume we're going to probably have a a continuing resolution that's probably going to, you know, maintain current funding levels. So I'm sure that's going to be kicked uh, probably till after the first of the year when the new Congress comes in, which gives us a little more time to to seek some solutions. Uh, Our team in Washington, D.C. has been working with federal motor carriers uh, on that rule 
uh, and figuring out what we can do as far as the exemptions for agriculture. One of the possible solutions is the uh, is a bill in front of Congress which would add 150 miles to the back end of a hall. We have that exemption on the front end of a hall, uh, but we're trying to get that on the back end of the hall, which would add, uh, it would probably put the hours of service somewhere around 16 hours, which is going to not solve all our problems, but it's going to address, it's going to get us a little closer to where we need to be on some of these halls. And at the end of the day, we want to make sure that uh, we have a solution that, that works for everybody is safe, but also that we can get these cattle standing on a trailer off a trailer as soon as we can and we don't have to be pulling over and resting. Yeah, you're trying to find that middle ground, right, where it you're providing uh, safety for the driver but also be able to take care of the animals. Yeah, it, you know, we, we, we it's not about being unsafe out there. I mean, the, the, when you go into the federal motor carriers in Washington, D.C., that's, that's their number one concern because if you walk down the hall in that office, uh, there's... They have photos on the wall of semi-wrecks, basically, and and we're we're not trying to be unsafe. We just have a real concern. Like we said, we're not. It's not an item that you can just sit on the side of the road for a little while. So we want something that'll work for everybody is safe, but we're, we're we got to maintain you know the health of those animals on those trailers. This impacts more people than you you might think just on the surface, right? It does. I mean. Uh, you talk about uh, hauling cattle from the southeast to, to feedlots. That's a big one. Uh, but in the west where I'm at, you know, we send a lot of yearlings out to California uh, to run on grass in the summer uh, or in the, in the wintertime. And, and it's it, it addresses a lot of people. I mean, folks in the northwest trying to get cattle to either packing plants in the Midwest or feed yards in, in the West, cattle from Texas that go north to be fed. It's it's pretty much a problem all the way across the country, so it's something we definitely need to get a solution to. We're talking with Dan McCarty. He is Director of Industry and Affiliate Outreach for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Uh, when you're working with members and you're working with groups, a lot of them in the western part of the country, um, I'm thinking probably issues like grazing federal lands those are huge issues in the west right yeah so i I work in the 13 western states so essentially colorado and west uh, is my area that i work with and and uh, federal lands and grazing is is definitely one of the uh, big issues out there Uh, when we look at uh, all the cattle in the united states that uh, spend a part of their life on federal lands uh, that's definitely one of the big issues we work on of course ncba uh, is partnered with the public lands council uh, in our office there in dc have a great team there that uh, works on those issues every day uh, you know fighting to maintain multiple use on on those federal lands and and maintaining the the grazing rights that people hold on those lands is, is one of the top priorities you've had some some wins some victories there but still some challenges oh definitely a lot of challenges uh, you know every time the <clears throat> one of the federal government agencies does anything it seems like there's a, a lawsuit immediately filed by a uh, one of the uh, organizations that's uh, supposedly representing the environment and so uh, that getting something done in that arena is usually a long process because once the decision's made uh, a lawsuit's filed and then uh, every time there's a lawsuit filed there's an appeal and so it's a very very slow process but uh, you know we, we've definitely made some progress i always call it ag in the courtroom it seems like every big decision anymore winds up in court exactly being legally right. challenged dan good to talk with you thank you very thank much thank you very much all right that's dan mccarty director of industry and affiliate outreach for the national cattlemen's beef association as we broadcast from the cattle industry convention here in san antonio stay with us you're listening to aoa Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, the National Pork Producers Council has digital ads in the Des Moines airport saying, Pork, it comes from a pig, not Silicon Valley, and pork You can't make it from plants unless you feed them to a pig first. 
Let's talk about it with Dan Kovich, Director of Science and Technology for the National Pork Producers Council. Dan, thanks for joining us. Obviously, uh, the pork industry responding to all these imitation products on the marketplace now using the name of pork. Absolutely. You know, this is, <laughs> we feel probably the most brazen uh, misuse of a term so far uh, by this, this new plant-based industry. I don't think there's really any confusion out there that pork comes from a pig. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. The patented Pod Shatter Reduction Technology Canola Hybrids from Invigor are the perfect blend of strength and durability. Stronger pod seams and stems protect the canola seeds within while protecting you from potential yield loss. And that gives you added flexibility at harvest, even when dealing with adverse weather conditions. Shattering yield records, not pods. That's smart. Contact your local BASF seed advisor today. Always read and follow label directions. The Renewable Fuels Association's 25th Annual National Ethanol Conference will be held February 10th through the 12th in Houston, Texas. Speakers include USDA Undersecretary for Trade Ted McKinney, Neil Curler, founder and CEO of Pacific Ethanol, Inc., and political analyst Bill Crystal. Registration is still available. For more information or to register, visit www.nationalethanolconference.com. This message brought to you by Syngenta, maker of Enogen, enhancing fuel ethanol production and supporting American farmers. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. We're in San Antonio for the Cattle Industry Convention. You know, we've talked so much about trade in 2019, and we'll continue to talk trade uh, in 2020, looking for new trade deals and watching enforcement of the of the current ones. But I think for agriculture in general, and the beef industry in particular, as we're here at the Cattle Industry Convention, environmental issues, I think, are going to be huge. These are going to be priorities for this coming year and for several years to come. Joining us now is Scott Yeager. He's Chief Environmental Counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Scott, do you agree with that? We're going to be dealing a lot with environmental issues. Absolutely, and and we've gotten some pretty big victories by working with the Trump administration over the past three and a half years. And now we're going to kind of pivot to making sure that we can maintain those wins because all of these policy changes, these regulatory reform initiatives that the Trump administration has passed, uh, with us sitting at the table talking with them about it, uh, those are all going to be challenged in court. So now we're going to be thinking about how do we support these wins and make sure that they're durable so that three years from now, uh, we don't lose these victories. Yeah, for every action, there's a reaction, right? And right now, on these issues, the reaction is go to court and they're being challenged i asked secretary purdue yesterday in his press conference i said how involved will usda be in the legal defense of the new waters of the u.s rule i mean obviously it's epa but a lot of people will uh, join them in the legal defense i'm sure ncba will be there as well we will be there in fact we actually are in court right now defending the repeal of the 2015 modus rule which was finalized back in september of 2019 
activists are litigating that in the New York and in uh, South Carolina courts. So we are in both of those courts defending the Trump administration's repeal of the WOTUS rule. And, and I think you're right. It's going to be everyone working together. Um, USDA won't be in the courtroom per se, but I'm sure they'll be working behind the scenes and advising the EPA and vice versa on, on how best to uh, support these victories and make sure that they stay around for a long time to come. You know, it shows how difficult it is to change a rule once it is in place. This controversial 2015 Waters the U.S. rule, here we are five years later, just now getting a new rule and now going to court to defend it. I mean, this is quite a process. It is a process, and that that is... It's kind of my, my cup of tea, right? So I'm, I'm an environmental attorney. I actually used to work at the EPA, and then I came to the National Cattlemen's Beef Association five years ago to work on those important issues for cattle producers. And, uh, you know, there is a process, and it's a very bureaucratic one, but if it's not done right, those rules will get struck down in court. So it takes a long time, but there's a reason behind that, and it's to make sure that everything, all those T's are crossed and the I's are dotted so that when it gets litigated, it will sustain a legal challenge and actually be around for a long time to come. So how confident are you that this new rule, this new Waters of the U.S. rule, can withstand the legal challenge? Are you, are you concerned there's some areas that might be weaker than others, that might be more susceptible? Uh, and and tell, me, tell us about the process. Can they just go in and attack one part and throw out the whole rule, or that one part could be changed? How does this work? Sure. So, <clears throat> um, first of all, I think this rule is very defensible. In fact, uh, Dave Ross, who is the Office of Water uh, associate Administrator, who is kind of the, the mastermind of this new navigable waters protection rule, he drafted and created that whole rule with the thought that this thing needs to go to the Supreme Court and survive a challenge throughout our federal judicial system. And that's kind of what he set the task to do when he uh, drafted that new rule. He looked at all the Supreme Court precedent, he looked at uh, the science, he looked at the rules in the book and figured out a way to thread the needle so that he's balancing both uh, the cooperative federalism aspects of the Clean Water Act, ensuring that the states properly have their jurisdiction over waters that are properly state versus those that are actually federal and making sure it threads the needle on all those legal cases. So it is not an easy task, but we think he did a pretty darn good job of, of moving that ball forward. Now, as far as the court cases go, um, if there is any part of a rule that is found to be legally invalid, a judge will strike, likely strike down that whole rule, the whole rule. but they have discretion to kind of, they have discretion to, you know, put a piece of it back to the administration. It's unlikely that will happen. I think what the most likely option would be that the whole rule gets thrown out and thrown back to the administration to say, hey, we thought that this part of it wasn't legally defensible because it's arbitrary and capricious, for example. So that's the Administrative Procedure Act. It thinks these rules cannot be arbitrary and capricious. So if a judge finds that a part of it is that, they'll take it, they'll send it back to the EPA and say, hey, not good enough. Try again. So this could go quite a while yet, right? This thing has been going since 1985. Yeah. I mean, that was the first Supreme Court case that we saw on WOTUS, and that had to do with wetlands uh, that were questionable other, under the jurisdiction of the Army Corps of Engineers. So this issue has been going on for a long time, but we think that this is hopefully uh, the end of this long battle. And I think it will ultimately go before the Supreme Court here in the next several years, and then at that point we can put it to rest. But I'm it seems to me, based on what we've seen with other cases, before it gets to the Supreme Court, we're going to get a bunch of different court rulings, right? And yep. and then we're going to be reacting to each one of those. And you're exactly right that we're going to be in a seat where we're reacting, right? Mm -hmm. So in the 2015 rule, for contrast, we chose where to litigate that rule mm -hmm. and which courts. Now the enviros have the opportunity to do that and kind of pick and cherry pick. A little court shopping, right? There's yeah. venue shopping. Yeah. There's They think they've got certain judges that... They can appeal to a little bit more than others, and they're they're going for those those courts. Um, so certainly, we're going to be in a position where we are uh, reacting to their uh, legal moves, and that's a little bit more difficult than say the 2015 litigation. But we think that this is such an important issue that we're going to be there every step of the way to support this new rule and support the administration's decision. We're talking with Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Scott, the, the question I think is the big question. Uh, and I guess we don't know the answer yet, but I want to get your thoughts on it. While this legal process is underway and the, the environmental groups are challenging the new rule, do you think there will be a stay put on it, or will the new rule be allowed to take effect while the legal challenges go on? That's a great question. Um, 
You know, <clears throat> I think there probably will be uh, an attempt to have a preliminary injunction against the new water rule once it is finalized and put in the Federal Register. Um, and that is going to be a situation where if a, if a preliminary injunction goes into place uh, in a certain subset of our states, um, that means the new water rule is kicked out, and then you go back to the preceding rules and regulations, which, which if the repeal has not been preliminary and joined, it goes back to the 86 regs and guidance. So it gets pretty complicated you pretty need a quick. scorecard to keep track of all We this. have spent uh, hours mapping out this exact question, uh-huh. figuring out what happens if you get a preliminary injunction here, what does that back you up to, what if the preliminary, what if the repeal gets knocked down through a preliminary injunction, and how does that work? I think at the end of the day, uh, for our producers out there, don't worry about that stuff. Once this thing hits the federal or gets finalized, hits the federal register at the end of March, it means that the navigable waters protection rule is the effective law of the land. And then we'll take care of that stuff in the background with litigating and defending it in court. And as that happens, we'll we'll be in touch to give updates. You know, the way I look at this new rule, it has what I call a lot of common sense things in it about what is or not a navigable water, which most people can figure out looking at. That's what worries me in the legal cases. Too much common sense. I know somehow that gets people rule against common sense so often. So yeah, that's, that's the tough thing is that, you know, a lot of producers you know, wish we had a rule that was strictly navigable waters, just the Mississippi River and rivers that were like that in the oceans. Yeah. The reality is the Supreme Court decisions and even uh, the late Justice Scalia said that it's more than just navigable waters. It's waters that but are... But how much have, more, right? That is the question. How much more? And that's such a difficult call. And I you know, I give kudos to the EPA and the Trump administration and, and Dave Ross for trying to thread the needle on it and uh, try to strike that balance where uh, they're honoring the Supreme Court, they're honoring Congress, and also trying to do something that's scientifically valid all at the same time. And it's not an easy thing, but I think they've, uh, they've tried their best and done a good job at it other than waters of the u.s what other environmental issues should we really be watching so climate policy this is a huge one for us this is something that we started dipping our toes into a year ago back at this convention in 2019 but now we are going full-throated in uh, attacking bad policies and uh, using it as a platform to talk about the good things our producers do so you all know about the green new deal Mm -hmm. Uh, that was policy that went down in flames uh, march of last year on the Senate side, uh, they're not revisiting the Green New Deal per se, but there are a whole lot of pieces of legislation coming out of specifically the House of Representatives uh, about climate policy, climate legislation, regulation. I mean, there are four different committees that claim to have jurisdiction over climate change, and they've had 28 different hearings in the past year. So it's a big concern for us, especially since we are often painted in the cattle industry as as, a, as the number one culprit of climate change. That is uh, patently wrong. And what we're doing now is trying to correct the record for cattle and also show how cattle are a climate solution. So we have these little cards that you're going to see getting passed around here at a convention this week. And basically, they're just talking points for our producers to be able to engage in a, in a conversation. Get here. your message out. That's right. right. Very good. Scott, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Stay with us. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley joins us next on AOA. Weeds want to restrict your freedom and crush the spirit of your soybeans. Never fear. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of superior weed control is here with Liberty Herbicide. Stand proud with greater application flexibility, unmatched convenience, and excellent performance combined with the Liberty Link, Liberty Link GT27, and Enlist E3 trait systems. And it has no known resistance in U.S. row crops. Talk with your BASF rep or authorized retailer about Liberty Herbicide. Always read and follow label directions. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. The Renewable Fuels Association's 25th Annual National Ethanol Conference will be held February 10th through the 12th in Houston, Texas. Speakers include USDA Undersecretary for Trade Ted McKinney, Neil Curler, founder and CEO of Pacific Ethanol, Inc., and political analyst Bill Crystal. Registration is still available. For more information or to register, visit www.nationalethanolconference.com. This message brought to you by Syngenta, maker of Enogen, enhancing fuel ethanol production and supporting American farmers. Time is money, right? And money? Well, it's the whole reason we go to work every day. 
Cenex Premium Diesel protects both. With a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, Cenex Roadmaster XL helps your entire fuel system stay up and running, so you can count more profits and steer clear of losses. Now don't spend all that free time in one place, unless it's the highway. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Corn export sales totaled 1.24 million metric tons for the week ending January 30th, up 57% from the previous four-week average. Sales of wheat and soybeans also fell within trader predictions at 338,600 tons and 703,800 tons, respectively. However, China was not listed as a major buyer for any grains this week due to the coronavirus. Coronavirus and the Lunar New Year major purchases by China was not expected this week. However, China's reduction of tariffs on $75 billion worth of U.S. imports leaves their retaliatory tariffs on U.S. soybeans at 27.5 percent and their tariffs on U.S. meat at 30 percent. While analysts see this cut as a sign that China plans to follow through with commitments the country made in a phase one trade deal signed last month, the impact of these cuts are seen as limited. On the Board of Trade, May soybeans trading a penny lower at 8.92 in a fraction, May corn down three in a fraction at 3.83 in a fraction of a cent, May Minneapolis spring wheat down three quarters at 5.44, the May Kansas City wheat contract down three and three quarters at 476 and a half cent may chicago wheat down four and a fraction at 555 Hog futures on the Board of Trade jumped after Tyson Foods CEO Noel White said that the company's pork export sales to China have surged 600% in the first quarter versus the prior year. On the Board of Trade, April lean hogs trading $2.70 higher at $64.55. The May contract up $2.25 at $72.55. April feeder cattle up $0.52 cents at $137.77. The May contract up $60 at $140.15. April live cattle up a nickel at 119.20. The June contract up two cents at 110.77. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back here in San Antonio for the Cattle Industry Convention. About 9,000 in attendance uh, here for this big, big meeting for the beef industry. Uh, A lot going on, and we'll uh, be here again tomorrow with more coverage of the convention. But right now, joining us uh, is Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, who checks in. Uh, Senator, thank you for being with us. Are you in Washington? Yeah, I am. I just finished uh, the National Prayer Breakfast. I'm uh, in my office, and... uh, uh, I'll be at the White House in about an hour for a speech that the president is giving uh, something about post-acquittal. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm glad to be with you and, and glad you're the beef producers. Uh, you know, before uh, Nixon froze beef prices, Iowa was number one in beef production. Today, I think, uh, well, uh, soon after that, we dropped to 10 or 12, but I think we're back up to fourth or fifth now in beef production. So we've got a lot of beef producers in the state of Iowa and maybe trying to climb back to number one again. (laughs) 
Hey, let's talk about some of the big developments here of the last few days. First, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the situation with the caucuses in your home state of Iowa. What, what, what do you what, what do you think about that and how that impacts the caucuses moving forward? Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, as long as Republican and Democrats in Iowa stick together, and as long as Republicans and Democrats leaders stick together in New Hampshire for Iowa to be number one as a caucus state, New Hampshire to be a number two caucus state. So the bipartisanship at each state and the bi-state approach, I think we're going to maintain our first in the nation, and I'm going to fight for that, and Governor Reynolds is going to fight for that, and uh, and uh, Senator Tony Ernst is. So we uh, uh, don't like it that the Democrats had an app that didn't work and that they weren't set up as a backup plan, plan B. But we uh, we do appreciate uh, Democrats in Iowa wanting to make sure that when they give a count, uh, it's a, it's a uh, correct account and not like what happened in uh, 2016 when I think uh, uh, Bernie uh, Sanders had the election from him, but it is a whole lot different than we had the same problem in 2012 in Iowa when we had uh, 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 Romney was declared a winner, and two weeks later said, no, we're sorry. There were some votes down in the southern Iowa county that were miscounted, and Santorum really won. It's kind of embarrassing, but uh, now we're both uh, committed to making sure that when it's announced, the right numbers are announced. And that's the way you know, it ought to be. And, uh, and that's a and, good. Uh, and I think, go, go ahead. No, that's a good point because I know there's some finger pointing going on, but this needs to be a bipartisan effort because really you need this is for the good of everyone to have this done right. Yeah, and you know what it is: the national media, and probably some national Democrats uh, don't like Iowa being first because they say. Uh, we don't have enough minority population. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, look at uh, Obama would have never been president if he couldn't have convinced uh, 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 Iowa that was uh, mostly 90% white, not minority, that he could get elected by those people. And he proved it over Hillary Clinton and it made him president. And another way to look at it is if you don't have any money like Carter didn't have, being an unknown president or governor of Georgia, coming to Iowa to live there and work the grassroots, he only got 21% of the Democrat vote in 1976, but it made him president of the United States. So do you want democracy to work? Uh, do you want people that are minorities to be president of the United States? Then you got to have things like we do in Iowa, democracy at the grassroots. And I think another important part of it is one. Uh, it focuses on some ag issues and rural issues during that time leading up to the uh, caucuses that otherwise might not get that national attention and conversation. So I think that's an important part of it as well. We're talking with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. Uh, I want to get your thoughts, Senator, on uh, the... Uh, let me, let, let yeah, me say a go ahead. example of what you just said. We wouldn't have an ethanol industry in Iowa if in the 80s and 90s it wasn't an issue in both Democrat mm-hmm. and Republican primaries. Yep, that's that's a great point, and I think that's uh, something that gets overlooked in the importance of these caucuses and why they uh, they they need to be held, and as we said, need to be done right. Okay, let's go to the impeachment proceedings. You got that behind you now. Your thoughts on this whole process you just went through? Yeah, it shouldn't have happened. The president was acquitted. He should have been acquitted. The House of Representatives uh, did not do their constitutional responsibility of the sole. Uh, action of impeachment taking place in the House of Representatives. Uh, this president committed uh, no crime, uh, and in other instances of Johnson in 1868, uh, the president uh, uh, Nixon uh, obstructing justice, or I mean covering up a crime, and you had uh, Clinton lying to a grand jury. Uh, those were all crimes committed this president, nor did the House of Representatives find any crime committed. So it shouldn't have moved forward. So they didn't have a very good case. Uh, they wanted, they took uh, 24 hours to convince us, 
or through 16 hours of uh, Q&A to convince us that they had a case, but the final vote uh, proved that they didn't have a case. So it shouldn't happen. Now, I just tweeted uh, at the real Donald Trump something like this. Uh, Praise the Lord that you're acquitted. Uh, I hope we can move on. Uh, what What the United States needs right now is you to be a commander in chief, chief executive, but number one, to heal the nation. We need a chief healer. And I thought, I thought he took Go steps ahead. towards that in his his State of the Union speech the other night. But what we saw in the reaction by members of Congress, the the political acrimony and the uh, the divide was on full display during that uh, State of the Union speech. How how do you overcome that? And do you see us getting? Do you see much getting done in Congress this year, especially in a an election year? Yeah, I think we're going to get uh, prescription drug prices reduced. We're going to do an infrastructure bill. Uh, I think we're going to be able to do some things on immigration uh, that need to be done. And I think the president, whether we have to be involved in Congress or not, in every instance, but the president's going to continue to negotiate more fair trade agreements. Let's talk infrastructure. How big are the differences between the Democratic proposal and the Republican proposal on infrastructure? Uh, in the end, it won't be much of a difference. Right now, uh, I think that Democrats are coming out with a bigger package than what Republicans have put together in the United States Senate. Well, I shouldn't say just Republicans in the United States Senate. Every bill that's out there is a bipartisan bill. So, uh, but it's a it's a smaller package than in the House representatives. But this is the way it works. Uh, let the House pass what they are. Let the Senate pass what we can, and then get it to conference and work out the differences. So you think we'll get an infrastructure bill passed this year? We should. We've been talking about it for three years. This is a presidential election year. But when both parties are for it, you got a chance of doing something even in an election year. Well, that would be a huge accomplishment if that gets done. What about, you mentioned immigration. What do you see happening with immigration? Well, I think it'll be some smaller things like uh, uh, some reforms of some programs that w- we need workers. But the, uh, the uh, integrity of the programs have been violated. And if we can get some integrity reforms, I think we can increase immigration. But it would be where there's a proven need uh, because of uh, of uh, uh, workers that we don't have in the United States. Well, before we run out of time, I wanted to get your thoughts. We've had a court ruling now uh, against EPA's handling of some of these small refinery exemptions. Uh, do you think maybe we'll actually see a change in policy from this EPA on granting these exemptions? When I was... Uh, this is the only answer I can give you right now because I don't know whether he's going to follow uh, the advice that I gave him. But when I was shaking hands with cabinet people uh, at the USMCA signing a week ago, I ran into Wheeler and I said, make sure you follow the circuit court number 10 uh, opinion uh, uh, and do it the same way you told us you had to give more uh uh, waivers out than maybe what I thought you should give out over the last four or five years because of some court decision. If you follow that, you follow this one now because they said you gave out too many uh, waivers. You didn't follow the law. So we've been telling them all these years, just follow the law, just follow the law, and we wouldn't have any problems. So we're back to basics. So only time will tell to answer your question. Yeah, they've been saying they've been going by court rulings. Well, now they've got one to follow, right? Yeah, and uh, I've heard from both my colleagues as well as from people in the industry that it's a very uh, strong decision that's very helpful to Mm -hmm. ethanol. Very good. Senator, always appreciate your time. We know you're very, very busy. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk again soon, okay? Yeah, uh, get me anytime. I'm glad to talk to you and the uh, farmers that produce all the food the 2% of the people that produce the food for the other 98%. I'm glad they carry their message. Goodbye. All right. 
Thank you for being an ag champion for for us in the, in the Senate. That's uh, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. All right, more coming up from here at the Cattle Industry Convention in San Antonio. Stay with us. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manual manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. My mom, a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327. Do you like what you're hearing on Adams on Agriculture? Continue that conversation, Important Agriculture, on Twitter. You can follow the talk show at AOA underscore talk show or follow Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Ag. Here you will receive real-time highlights of the show and see what others are buzzing about in the industry. Adams on Agriculture hopes to meet you online. The Renewable Fuels Association's 25th Annual National Ethanol Conference will be held February 10th through the 12th in Houston, Texas. Speakers include USDA Undersecretary for Trade Ted McKinney, Neil Curler, founder and CEO of Pacific Ethanol, Inc., and political analyst Bill Crystal. Registration is still available. For more information or to register, visit www.nationalethanolconference.com. This message brought to you by Syngenta, maker of Enogen, enhancing fuel ethanol production and supporting American farmers. Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you what you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests who are important to the ag industry. It's information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with the president of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Ross. Kevin, you're back from a trade mission along with the U.S. Grains Council. Tell us about it. We went to uh, Vietnam and, and met with some uh, large importers there. One of the ones I'll, I'll bring up is CP Industries, and they're uh, the largest feed miller in the world. Uh, met with those folks, certainly a big customer and some people that uh, we've worked with, the Grains Council especially has worked with for a long time. Um, also had a chance to meet with the ambassador for Vietnam, 
had good conversations with him about the potential uh, the future of that market and what you know where it's been it's it's an amazing economy from where it's been just in the last 15 years and so it's growing fast there in Vietnam it's number three importer of DDGs uh, six or seven in direct corn imports and and uh, an emerging market for ethanol for the information important to rural America join us on Adams on Agriculture if your soil could talk what would it say If it's healthy, it may already be saying some good things about your future. Because farmers who use soil health building systems that include no-till, cover crops, and diverse species and rotations report greater productivity, profitability, and resiliency to weather extremes. Learn more about what your soil is saying about its health and your future. Contact your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. You may recall we were talking a few days ago about uh, some ads that the pork industry has out addressing these imitation pork products into the marketplace. And uh, the beef industry is uh, speaking out on this as well. I I think this is great that we're seeing uh, the livestock industry uh, really be proactive on this and and get their message out. The beef industry is speaking out on this as well. And joining us now is Elisa Harrison, Senior Vice President, Global Marketing and Research for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Elisa, good to talk with you. Uh, So some new ads, uh, kind of uh, the next phase of beef, it's what's for dinner. Tell us about it. Yeah, thanks, Mike. We're really excited about it. This is, as you said, a continuation of some work that we started last summer going out and talking to consumers um, and answering their tough questions about how beef is raised. I think we all know that consumers have more questions today about all the, all food and how it's raised and produced, and we know the beef industry has a great story to tell, and so that's what these ads are designed to do, to address some of those myths that we're seeing out there that beef is bad for the planet, is bad for your health, and that meat alternatives are better than the real thing. So that's what we we launched these about the first wave. We launched them about 10 days ago. We've got another wave coming out um, in a couple of weeks. Uh, talking about real beef, right? Right, right. And, you know, uh, the work that we do is on behalf of the Beef Checkoff, and so we work within all the, under the, the guidelines of USDA, and so our team and our ad agency came together and figured out how can we still have the brand voice of Beef is What's for Dinner, that swagger, that kind of wink-wink, um, but really address issues in a way that c- will resonate with consumers. And we've done some early testing on some messaging, and the consumer consumer doesn't want you to go out and bash other other products and that's very clear they've told us that but what we can do is is tell them about how our product is raised in a humorous kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of way but also make the point to address their issues on sustainability you know i think that's key no one is saying they these imitation products no one's saying they don't have a right to be in the marketplace obviously they do but when you start mixing messages, confusing people, misleading people, then you're starting to cross some lines. Right, there. you're exactly right. As the as NCBA and as a beef industry, we're not opposed to new products out there. We've been we are competing with so many protein choices with consumers today than ever before. And I think it's important to remember that for at least the beef industry chicken is still our number one competitor and so uh, you know the meat alternatives in the beef industry is such a small part of the market it's like less than one percent but what I think what gets under our members skin is when some of these companies um, disparage our product and espouse lies about our product in order to sell theirs and that's that's why we wanted to go and clarify to the consumer to make sure that they've got the right facts and actually I've been saying this should actually, in a way, unite pork and beef and poultry because you're all kind of fighting this uh, against this the same. And here's been my concern as these new products have come into the market. Um, you might have a group of people out there, and it remains to be seen how big that group is, but somehow they, they seem convinced that these new products, if they 
eat and consume them, they're saving the planet somehow. Right. So that's why you've got to get your message out about uh, beef, beef production uh, on those on those issues that consumers are concerned about. Exactly, and I think any cattle producer out there knows that they've got a great environmental story to tell. We have been telling that over the years. It's just now at a different level because we're having to respond to food manufacturers who are saying that their products are more sustainable than beef, and that's just not the case at all. And so the good news is the checkoff has invested in research for the last 15, 20 years. So we've got evidence-based information to share with consumers, and that's what we're trying to do today. But I think it's also important to remember, as I said, the meat alternatives is such a small part of the market share, but they're not taking market share away from beef. What we're seeing is that there's people who say they're trying these products still eat the same amount of beef and chicken and pork and fish. What they're doing is they're just adding it as another option. But what we're also seeing is that within the category, they're actually taking market share away from some of the older meat alternatives that have been on the marketplace for years. So they're taking it away from, you know, the, the Morning Stars and the Garden Burgers and stuff like that. So that's what we're seeing. Um, beef demand is high. It's at a record level since 2015. Consumers are eating more beef and paying more for it. So uh, as people, we know that our research and consumers love beef and the number one reason why people consume beef is because of the taste and that is our shine that's the star on our crown and that's something that we're also trying to remind folks yeah remind is a word i was thinking of in some cases you may be educating consumers learning more about it for the first time but for many others it's just reminding them right exactly um over the holidays for instance uh we know that our best asset is the product and the taste and so we launched our drool log which it was a two-hour video of just a rib roast on on an open fire just trying to emulate what the yule log is during Mm. um the during the holiday seasons and we the state beef councils uh supported it being shown not the two hours but like a 30 second version of that in movie theaters doing the Frozen premiere, um, and we worked it, you know, with uh, a lot of the influencers and the media, and so it's really exactly what you said, just to remind people about how great uh, beef is, and when we show them beef just cooking in a skillet or on a grill, it just, it's that, sal- they just salivate on it and make someone want to buy beef. So you have these new ads out, and we'll see more things like this in the coming months, right? We are. We'll, we just launched this in January. We'll run this throughout the, the rest of the fiscal year. There's a whole new uh, resource page on beefitswhatsfordinner.com so for those consumers who want to learn more about that and this is a follow-up to we launched we took the our beef quality assurance program uh, to the consumer we launched that last fall which has been really successful the number one concern from an from a production issue that uh, consumers have is animal care and they want to know that that consu- that producers are taking great care of their animals and the BQ- they love knowing that the BQA program is out there and that um, um, the majority of farmers and ranchers are following that. There are a lot of levels to this. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It, it's a whole campaign. So we're. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Alisa, thank you very much. We'll look forward to seeing and hearing more about this. Wonderful. All right. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Alisa Harrison, Senior Vice President, Global Marketing and Research for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. That does it for today, but I'll be back here tomorrow with more from San Antonio and the Cattle Industry Convention. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Have a great day, everyone. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.